love and marriage. Love and marriage. What do you do when your mom is a chicken head and your sisters are pigeons and you've discovered the man of your dreams, but he thinks you're ugly until he saves your sister from a life of harlotry and proposes his love for you after you turn down his first proposal, but have decided you love him? This is the question plaguing Elizabeth Bennett. The book is Pride and Prejudice, and you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit! first thing that came to my mind when yep. you said regular mm-hmm. so mm. so i'm proud of us and stuff can I'm you proud hear of me you. i can't hear me oh you can't hear turn your mic up a little mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm writing him a full page letter okay so how was your week we're also recording artists um <laughs> great I finally took my laptop in. Yeah, have you have examined. a computer, like an adult. Excuse me, I always had a computer. I oh, just did not use it okay. um, because it had a broken thingy and I didn't want to, I didn't feel like it. Well, I'm glad you much. got it fixed. So, so what will that enable you to do now? Nothing. <laughs> it's the same thing. It feels good knowing you have like a computer though, right? I think it feels good to you. I'm fine. No, I feel it. better about it. I would like my co-host to have a computer. <laughs> to use a computer. And, the, you know, the year 2020. Well, can I just give a shout out to the United States, Spain, Jamaica, Canada, UK, South Korea, Italy, Germany, and the Netherlands, and a few other countries where there's at least one listener of this podcast. Hey, thank That's you guys awesome. for listening. Thank you. I feel like there's one black person in Iran, and she's like, I read books, and I want to listen to this. And Welcome. I see you, girl. We see I see you. you, and thank you for your support. Also, Portugal, you know, Spain, you know, let's do a live show. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's get in there. Yes. Be international. Okay. So let's start with the theme of the week. Unless you had anything else you had to say? I do not. Okay, great. Every week we choose a theme based on the book we're reading. The theme this week, how to handle embarrassment. Alexis, <laughs> <laughs> what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? This is a safe space. You know, I can't think of anything. Okay. I'm sure there's plenty of embarrassing <laughs> yeah, <I'm sure>. things, <laughs> but nothing outweighs oh, the that's other. Unfortunate. And it doesn't come to mind. Okay, so name one of the embarrassing things. I don't know. <laughs> but you <laughs> If you tell me a story, I might be able to come up with one. How does that work? No, I feel like you should go first. (laughs) So I was at a party with a group of friends who I love very much. And we were at a um, guy's basement apartment. Okay, now, you know, basement apartments are usually made after the home is built. So sometimes things are in weird places. Sometimes the kitchen is like in the living room or the bathroom. The door to the bathroom is like shares a door with the living room, like the middle of the living room. Well, that's how this was. So I was peeing and um, I closed the door, but I used to not lock doors. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking, wow, I didn't lock the door. And I'm I'm literally in the middle of the party. (laughs) Like, that's precarious. 
And as that thought passed my mind, my friend who's chatting up the room opens the door to the bathroom. Now, her hand is on the knob. And she's talking. The door is open. You got it. Oh, you're so quick. (laughs) And her head is not looking to the toilet, the bathroom. Her head is looking to the group of friends who are now all looking at me. (laughs) And I go, girl, 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 I'm peeing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And she goes, huh? She's still looking at her friends because they're trying to tell her, hey, you know, Curry's uh, close the door. (laughs) And she's like, what? What you say now? What you say now there, Chuck? This seems so And that seemed to last for 10 minutes. Yes. And then she finally looked and said, oh, my. (laughs) And closed the door. Uh-huh. But while that happened, I tried to jump into the shower to like hide myself. It was a mess. Why would you do that? Because I was embarrassed. Oh. So have you thought of anything? I can't think of anything you like that. Are the worst. Sir. I know. Sorry. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, the point is we are all embarrassed from time to time. Absolutely. I wanted to bring up an article from Real Simple magazine. Do you read Real Simple? I do. I do. I used to um, and used to subscribe to it. Yeah, I like Real Simple. It has um, a lot of practical advice I can use on a daily basis. That magazine taught me not to put onions in a fruit basket because onions release gases that make your fruit. Oh, you already know. Decompose faster. Mm -hmm. Whatever. So the one who wrote this article, article is Jennifer King Lindley. The title, How to Handle Embarrassment. These are her findings. First of all, chill out because being embarrassed makes us likable. Yeah. Embarrassment. You can relate to that. I can appreciate it. You must really like me because <laughs> I'm embarrassed a lot. So, um, embarrassment is a sign that you care about the way others see you. And that makes them care about you. Hmm. Uh, according to the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, Um, subjects were more willing to trust someone who showed embarrassment after being lauded for an accomplishment. So give it up for Alexis. Here's your award. And you're like, oh, thank you guys. Now, I personally hate that. That is like the Taylor Swiftness of it all. But according to her, that's why everyone loved Jennifer Lawrence's sheepish 2013 Oscars acceptance speech. They thought it was adorable. Mm. Look at us. We have no idea what she's talking about. (laughs) But I get it. I get it. But embarrassment can have negative consequences. It can hold us back if we're afraid about the way others see us and it stops us from doing things that we enjoy. Maybe um, we're in high school and we don't want other people to see us read. I remember. Wow. (laughs) I remember jogging and people from school saw me and I was so embarrassed. Really? Stupid. Yeah. So how can we get over it? Okay. I'm not going to reference all of her suggestions, just the ones that I have appreciated. Number one, confront incidents head on. As far as possible, fix the error. Pull your dress out your stockings, girl. Yeah, yeah. Keep walking. Don't avoid others. Don't hide. This is all part of number one, confronting the incident head on. Remember when that scandal came out with Usher? I ain't never seen Usher so much in my life. He was everywhere. (laughs) Just living. Like, if that was true, would I really be out here this happy? Oh, wow. And then you start to think, no, you wouldn't. You would be hiding. Obviously, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Number two. Okay. Remember. Oh, I love this. No one is thinking about you but you. Yep. That is the key, like, (laughs) public speaking thing. People, for the most part, want you to succeed. Oh, do they? 
Mm-hmm. I hope that's true. I love that. I want to, I want people to succeed. Mm-hmm. So other people must want that too. We overestimate the extent to which our actions are noticed by others. And that's a quote from Mary Lamia, PhD, we a do. clinical psychologist and author of Emotions, Making Sense of Your Feelings. We do, right? We do. Mm-hmm. Number three, laugh and get over it. Embarrassment is not the end of the world. My favorite mantra right now is, but did you die though? Okay, that's a good one. Are you here? I think so. Then get over it. Okay. It's fine. But you can have a moment of embarrassment but and did then you, move past okay, it, right? right? But did you die though? No. Okay. Share your story. There is relief in unloading. How do you feel about sharing that story? Don't share it with Alexis because <laughs> she's never been embarrassed. I have a just I never <laughs> comes to mind. Number five. <laughs> Don't revel in the mistakes of others. This is mine. Now, I know you have friends that like to laugh at each other when they fall in the street. Yes, I do. But that's their thing. That's not from a place of mischievous, like, I don't know. That's just them. I also have relatives and friends that just like to talk about people. How about that? Can we keep on the subject? So (laughs) don't make a scene when your friend falls in front of you unless that's like your thing. As the group. And y'all all do that. And it's great. But we don't. It's just really one person. That okay, well, it. stop that, girl. That's <laughs> terrible. And you know what? If you see Beyonce falling down a set of stairs on YouTube, you ain't got to share that video on Twitter. Oh, that would be wrong. That would be wrong. Wait. Oh, I fell one time. It was embarrassing. I just remember. The segment is over. Let's move on. Yep. You look great today, girl. All right. So skin you just glowing. What do you use on your skin? Do you still use Dermalogica? No, I stopped using that. Why? Because it's crazy expensive? Well, no, I just moved on to more what I consider natural products. So I use oh. like a shea soap. You make it at home? No, I actually buy it. At the beauty supply store? No, online. Okay. Mm-hmm. Context. Okay. Can you please share with us some details on Jane Austen's life? You know, I don't know anything about her. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you everything there is to know about her. Enlighten me, girl. Jane Austen was born December 16, 1775 to Reverend George Austen and Cassandra Lee. Jane was the seventh of eight children and the second daughter. Her siblings, in order of birth, were as follows. James, George, Edward, Henry, Cassandra, Francis, Jane, and then her younger brother, Charles. I thought she came from a family of all girls children no ma'am all boys mostly boys and one sister okay of all her brothers it would be excuse me henry where she formed the closest bond and that's her fourth oldest brother he actually played her literary agent at later stages in her writing that's cool family business Mm -hmm. she grew up in an environment of open learning um, creativity and dialogue She had a great bond with her father at the age of eight she went to boarding school for her formal education Mr. Austin fed Jane's interest in writing by supplying his books, papers, and writing tools to allow her to explore her creative side. Her dad did? Mm-hmm. The Austin homestead was a casual environment where there were many attempts at humor and good debating. So they had fun at home. They seem like thinkers. Yeah. <laughs> in December of 1795, she started dating a nephew. One of, of her a- nephews? Because <laughs> they love family. <laughs> I mean, they loved family back then. No, no. Alexis, 
they loved their family. Like um, the family reunion was tender. You'd be like, which cousin am I going to marry? <laughs> Can I continue, please? I'm sorry. Okay. They were gross. She started dating a nephew of a nearby neighbor by the name of Tom LaFoy, a student studying in London, London to be a barrister. A barista? No, a barrister. I don't know what that is. I just said an attorney. Oh, that's your world. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so Tom's family disagreed with the pairing and sent Tom away. Yeah. So he was kind of higher and she was kind of low class, social class, even staff. though they lived in the same area. That's weird. I wonder what the class was based it on. It was like a visiting neighbor. Okay. Jane never saw him again. She almost, Whoa. yeah, she almost married and she like, they fell in love with each other. She almost married a man named Harris Big Wither, a childhood friend of the family and of Jane's. However, she never had any true affection for him or love. So while she accepted her, his proposal, she later declined. Port reneged on it. After boarding school, Jane returned home permanently and set out to pen the first work, her first work, First Impressions. Now, mind you, she had written before other things in her youth. Her first actual work was First Impressions. And she wrote that between 1796 and August of 1797. Um, little did she know at that time, that would be her most popular an enduring piece of work. That story is what we call today Pride and Prejudice. This was her first novel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's good. Okay. No, no. I'm sorry. Yes. Her first novel. <laughs> okay. Second published. Okay. The first draft was completed sometime in 1799. Her father was very supportive of her work and he tried to get that book published, but the publisher said no. He rejected the work without even opening up the package. <laughs> Too bad. In December of 1827, she and her family moved to Bath, um, England, and that's where her parents um, had their retirement life. Uh, let's see. When it was time for her to kind of publish her work, she worked with a guy named Thomas Edgerton, uh, who took the manuscript and published this second work in January of 1813. This okay. is her second book, and it sold out. It's very popular. In 1816, her health started to decline. And by the age of um, 41, I think she died. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, she died. What a uh, short life. Mm -hmm. And okay. is buried in Winchester Cathedral, possibly dying of Addison's disease or Hodgkin's lymphoma or some sort of um, tuberculosis. That was popular to die from. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's what it said. Most common in that day. Jane completed only six official works in her lifetime, despite um, her short writing time. She is like one of the most well-known and admired writers in literary history. Absolutely. And as you know, many of her stuff became movies, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Well, can you give us a synopsis of the book without spoilers? When a wealthy, young, eligible gentleman moves into the neighborhood, Mrs. Bennett sees that as an opportunity to marry off one of her five daughters and put her other daughters in position for high connections before her husband dies and the Otis Mill relative inherits their family home. A humorous tale of pride, prejudice, and love ensues. Oh, I like that. All right, Dan. What are your first thoughts? What were my first thoughts of Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. I had no intention of reading this book. Oh, you are so low down. Why you got to do that with my work? <sighs> yeah, I don't often enjoy your books. However, <laughs> I will say <laughs> what I love about this show. And listeners, if you don't know, we alternate 
who chooses the book each week. So Alexis chose the book this week. I chose my sister, the serial killer last week, so on and so forth. So whenever Alexis chooses a book, I have to read it. I cannot dispute it. And up until chapter, oh, we'll say 79 of this book. I was like, I'm enjoying it. But when I put it down, I'm like, I don't ever have to pick it up again. (laughs) But then toward the end, which was like this morning when I finished, my heart was touched. (laughs) And I even like cried a little. Wow. I was really like into it. So thank you for that. You exposed me to new things. Don't do that. Oh, don't cry. Shame me. Yeah, I was just happy love love wins. Okay. Aww. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So what were your first thoughts of Pride and Prejudice? Well, I was excited to read it. I'd seen the movie, but it's been a long time since I'd seen the movie. Um, I think the last movie I remember seeing was the one with uh, Kira Knightley. And, I and didn't you don't care like for that it. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't care for it at all. And Rosemary, a young Rosemary Pike. Oh, okay. Oh, I kind of sounded like her. <laughs> I do like her, though. Yeah, she's very good. Um, so I was excited to read it and, you know, my memory is not that great. So I didn't remember that many things, but. Had you read this before? I'd never read Have it Have you before. read any Jane Austen books? Not at all. Oh, look at us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Culture. Yes. Well, thank you for that. And now the moment we have all been waiting for. I'm just going to sit back and relax while Alexis gives us a deep dive. Splash. Into Pride. And Prejudice by Jane Austen. Alexis. Please know, folks, there are going to be lots of spoilers in this book. Oh, we spoil books. Mm -hmm. So So. if you don't know about this book that just came out. (laughs) (laughs) Still, still, there are spoilers. No, you're right. Okay. Somebody may want to read it. This book starts with the um, um, sentence, it is a truth universally acknowledge that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. I hate to do this, but if I can pause you right there. Do you remember when we read Rebecca uh-huh. and Rebecca, the world believes that that opening line is one of the best in modern fiction history. Uh-huh. This opening line way better. It is way better. I love it. And still truthful today. Okay. So introducing the Bennett family of Longbourn. Mr. and Mrs. Bennett have five unwed daughters, Jane, the eldest, Elizabeth, Mary, Kitty, and Lydia. Elizabeth is also called Lizzie. The family has a modest income, and Mrs. Bennett is eager to get her daughters married off. So when a wealthy, young, handsome gentleman named Charles Bingley moves into the area about four miles away to an area called Netherfield Park, the neighborhood is a buzz. Mrs. Bennett insists that her husband call on Mr. Bingley at his home immediately upon his arrival so an introduction can be made. While he pretends to have no interest in doing so, he eventually meets Mr. Bingley without the family knowing. Mr. Bingley visits soon after in hopes of meeting the daughters of Mr. Bennett, having heard of their beauty. The opportunity to meet Mr. Bingley comes at an upcoming ball planned in town at Meriton. What accent is that? It's fine. Stop <laughs> it! Cute. Mr. Bingley brings along some guests with him from London. They are his, London. T- his two sisters, his brother-in-law, Mr. Hurst, 
and a friend named Mr. Darcy. Mr. Darcy is described as more handsome and having more money than Mr. Bingley. There, the ladies meet Mr. Bingley, and he immediately takes to Jane, having danced with her more than any of the ladies in the ball. Mr. Darcy, on the other hand, Come, Darcy, I must have you dance. I hate to see you standing about by yourself in this stupid manner. You had much better dance. I certainly shall not. You know how I detest it unless I am particularly acquainted with my partner. At such an assembly as this, it would be insupportable. Your sisters are engaged and there is not another woman in the room whom it would not be a punishment to me to stand up with. I would not be so fastidious as you are. For a kingdom, upon my honor, I never met with so many pleasant girls in my life as I have this evening. And there are several of them you see uncommonly pretty. You are dancing with the only handsome girl in the room, said Mr. Darcy, looking at the eldest Miss Bennet. Oh, she is the most beautiful creature I ever beheld. But there's one of her sisters sitting down just behind you, who is very pretty, and I dare say very agreeable. Do let me ask my partner to introduce you. Which do you mean? And turning around, he looked for a moment at Elizabeth, till catching her eye, he withdrew his own and coldly said, She is tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt me. And I am in no humor at present to give consequence to young ladies who are slighted by other men. You had better return to your partner and enjoy her smiles, for you are wasting your time with me. He is very rude. He's so rude. Very rude. It's overheard by Elizabeth and spread. So word but on the street. But he looked at Elizabeth. He did. She and made eye him. contact with her. And he goes, yeah, ain't no hotties at this party. And I'm not in the mood to like, you know, patronize girls that don't nobody want anyway. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow, how it went. That's Darcy. how it went. That's wow. how it went. And then, okay. So word on the street is that Mr. Darcy is this proud, arrogant, obnoxious, and haughty person whereas Mr. Bingley made his way around the room Mr. Darcy looks down on the people as being beneath his social class now let me just say Mr. Bingley yeah had 5,000 pounds a year oh he rich yeah I don't even get 5,000 pounds a year <laughs> let me tell you what that's worth today oh look at you he doing was research. close to half a million dollars oh, a I year mean, okay okay so you could like buy one house okay go ahead Today, today. But he was loaded back then. Yeah, no, that's good. Mr. Darcy, on the other hand, was close on a million a year. A million a year? A million a year, because his was 10,000 pounds. So he ain't that bad. I mean, he's but just he a was little fine. rude. He was concerned. <laughs> he's just a little rude. Right, we can work on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He looks good. So listen. He got the monies. He does have the monies. <laughs> Mrs. Bennett kind of peeps the connection and she immediately tries to push Jane front and center. Mrs. Bennett is described as a foolish, nosy woman whose only goal in life is to see her daughters married. Because of her low breeding and often unbecoming behavior, Mrs. Bennett often repels the very suitors whom she tries to attract for her daughters. Did you read that or you read that somewhere? I read that. Oh, that's that's perfectly. That's in the book? No, it's not described like okay. that in the book. <laughs> Mr. Bennett is described as the patriarch, of course, the father, a gentleman of modest income with five unmarried daughters. Mr. Bennett has a sarcastic, cynical sense of humor that he uses to purposefully irritate his wife. I love the first few pages of this book. So I thought they had a loving relationship, the Bennett's. 
the parents. Oh, nah. Mm-mm. But I guess they don't really like. Well, he doesn't he, like her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he didn't seem that way. He was very entertained by her. And he said things just to like yep. joke around with her yep. mm-hmm. or like get her in a tizzy. Yep, he did. I actually will say that Lizzie doesn't know her parents' relationship. And I feel like Mr. Bennett does indeed care for his wife. And they have a little joking, playful relationship. Well, I think there is a little section in here that actually kind of talks about it. So they do have that. But he enjoys teasing his wife. Yeah. Yeah. So Mrs. Bennett peeped that. But Lizzie has a friend named Charlotte, who's her best friend. And Lizzie is also very close to Jane. And Charlotte's vision of what kind of happened at the party, she said that Jane... Jane didn't show her affection enough yeah. for Charles. Yeah. What's Charles's last name again? Bingley. Bingley. So Charles was like all into Jane. He danced with her twice. And Jane's like, he's okay, you guys. But really inside, and Elizabeth knows this because she's her sister. Right. Jane is like, oh my goodness, he's the one. Yeah. Charlotte is like, she might want to show that out really a little more because she doesn't seem to like him as much as he likes her. And that might deter him. For marrying her. And they've danced twice, so they have to get married. Yeah. So Charlotte says, in nine cases out of ten, a woman had better show more affection than she feels. Bingley likes your sister, undoubtedly, but he may never do more than like her if she doesn't help him out. That's what she said. So Jane receives an invite to come over to Netherfield Park and social with the Bingley sisters while the men dine with the officers in town. Mrs. Bennett sees this as an opportunity and tells Jane to go over to Netherfield on horseback instead of carriage, knowing full well Jane would get caught in the rain and will have to stay at Netherfield overnight. She could have died. <laughs> she could have gotten tuberculosis and died. And her Pneumonia like, and died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her mom's like, that's a chance we going to take it for was this $500,000 man. <laughs> It rains all night. Jane ends up getting sick. She stays at Netherfield. In the book, I think it refers to her as an invalid. Like, she couldn't go nowhere. She, she was, was really sick for days. Yeah, she was laid up for a while. I don't care for this mom. Okay. Jane and Elizabeth are so close. So, Elizabeth needs to go see her sister, check on her. They're the two odors. They're tight. So, Elizabeth walks to Netherfield in the mud so she could stay with Jane and take care of her. This allows Elizabeth to confirm her feelings about the neighbors at Netherfield, and which she says the Bingley sisters are snobbish. That's Charles's sisters, Charles Bingley. Proud, conceited, and fake, fake, fake. So fake. Mm-hmm. And she right, they are. They are. And Jane, on the other hand, she like looking for the no, good in everybody. they're nice. Everyone's nice. Everyone is Stop, nice. Stop, Lizzie. Everyone's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Mr. Darcy, same disposition, yet he becomes intrigued by Elizabeth, but concedes because of her low station in life. So Jane gets all healed up after a week of socializing with these people. And when they head home, there's an announcement that the father's relative, Mr. Collins, is coming to town. Mr. Collins is a clergyman who is the wealthy noblewoman named Lady Kathy. Lady Catherine de Borg has selected to serve her parish. Mr. Collins is expected to take over the Bennett home once Mr. Bennett dies because they don't pass inheritance down to daughters in this particular case. So he comes to the house 
hoping to marry one of these five beauties. Wait, but before he comes, Mrs. Bennett, the mom is like, oh, I hate him so much because he's going to get all of our stuff when you die, Mr. Bennett. She, she calls her that. husband Mr. Bennett. Uh-huh. I think that's cute. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you don't think I'll be calling my husband. Uh, Mr. Herrera. It would probably be cute if you did. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so she like despises him because he represents all everything she'll never have. And she's right. the wife. And she's the wife. She can't get that stuff. But once she finds out he came to like marry one of her daughters, she's like, oh, isn't he so pleasant? <laughs> she is. What a delight for that, Mr. Collins. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's she's what happened. A, she's the worst. So like I said, he hopes to marry one of the daughters so the daughters can kind of inherit something. But this guy... Ooh, let me just get to this description. What do you look like? Give me a celebrity. I don't know. I He's a redhead Danny DeVito. No. Yeah, yeah. Strange. But a young Danny DeVito with red hair. <laughs> Mr. Collins. He's described as a pompous, generally idiotic clergyman who stands to inherit Mr. Bennett's property. He is described as being the worst combination of snobbish and obsequious. Too eager to help and obey other people. Okay. Especially people above him in class, like Lady Catherine, yep. whose church he's the, whose parish he's the clergyman of. Right. Everything's about Lady Catherine. Everything. I thought he was in love with her, but it's not. He's just, he <laughs> loves to gravel yeah, at her feet. Yeah, he does. It is the weirdest thing ever. The family doesn't care for him, but as you said, mom turned over a new leaf when she saw. He picks Jane first, because Jane is the most beautiful, right? But then mom was like, hey, no, Jane is going to somebody Jane's else. Set. Mm-hmm. She got a $500,000 man. Look at my other daughters. Yeah, look at Elizabeth. So she said, here you go. Meanwhile, Elizabeth meets and befriends a charming soldier by the name of George Wickham. She and he fine. Okay. Trust him. Yes. And he is fine. All the girls like him. He is charismatic. He says the right things. He stands the right way. This is a man who, when he walks, he grabs all the attention. Okay. They are into him. They are into him. And who wouldn't be? Everyone. He is charismatic. He is. Okay. He's also a charmer. Mr. Wickham tells Lizzie that Lady Catherine is Mr. Darcy's aunt. And she is dictatorial and insolent. And that he goes way back with the family. Wickham tells Lizzie he and Darcy were friends at one time. And Mr. Darcy's father considered him one of his sons. And Mr. Wickham says he planned to join the ministry, but was unable to due to a lack of money. Guess who took that money? Darcy. That's right. (laughs) Darcy. So it's Darcy's fault that I'm in the war. And, you know, I'm just making the best of what I got. But, you know, I don't hold it against him. But I hate him and you should, too. But I ain't going to talk about him because I don't talk about people. But he the worst. He did say all of that. Lizzie leaves this discussion deciding that Darcy deserves nothing but contempt. Oh, heavens. (laughs) Lizzie tells Jane the story and Jane says, it's probably really, it's really a misunderstanding. Lizzie ain't trying to hear it because she done seen that man and she do not like him. She has already made Lizzie has her own mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She hates everybody except her sister Jane. (laughs) Pretty much. Bingley invites the neighborhood to a ball. Lizzie expects to see Wickham there, but he's a no-show. Another soldier tells Lizzie, Wickham is a no-show because of Darcy's presence. Lizzie dances with Mr. Collins and awkwardly dances with Mr. Darcy. That's because he be digging her a little bit. 
Listen. Well, wait, did you think that Darcy just started like hanging around when she was talking yeah. to people like eavesdropping on her conversations? He was digging her. He didn't have no game. So if she was talking to someone, he would just walk over there and stand. He was interested. She was like, ugh, what do you want? <laughs> she, was, she was so annoyed with him. Anyway, Lizzie asked Mr. Darcy about Wickham and Darcy avoids the conversation. Mrs. Bink. Ms. Bingley sees that Lizzie has taken an interest in Mr. Wickham and tells her, do not trust him. Now, this is Charles Bingley, Jane's little friend. That's his sister. She said, mm-hmm. don't trust him. Lizzie doesn't trust Mrs. Bingley because she too fake. She already knows she's too fake. She fake, fake, fake mm-hmm. and ignores her warning. Jane asks about Mr. Bingley. Ask Mr. Bingley about Mr. Wickham, but he only knows what Darcy told him. So she can't take that word either. Lizzie family acts a fool at the ball. A fool, a plum fool. How so, Alexis? Listen, Miss Bennett discusses a hopes for engagement between Bingley and Jane loudly. Oh my goodness, Charles is so rich. And my Jane gonna be so rich too. And then all my daughters, they gonna marry rich people and we all gonna be rich. Ah. <laughs> And then Lizzie is like, hey, mom, can you quiet down? I don't care if nobody ca- listens. Oh, I see Darcy. I see him and I don't care. We're going to be rich just like him. So I can say what I want. Here is like the peak of embarrassment. So embarrassing. Right, right. And then Mary performs this song and it's like a horrible song. They said. Hey, Nightingale. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And they're like, get up, get up, get up. Well, and Mary was like, hey, everyone, again. I can sing. I would like to sing for the whole party. Now, I might have peed for a party, but that was by accident. <laughs> Mary volunteered this. She sure did. And then Mr. Collins, who is family, delivers a pompous speech. So Elizabeth is like, my family is the worst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how long. I can't recall how long this hap- um, this season of romancing is happening. But after it happens, Mr. Collins proposes to Elizabeth. It's very brief. He was only there for a few weeks. My reasons for marrying are, first, that I think it a right thing for every clergyman in easy circumstances, like myself, to set the example of matrimony in his parish. Secondly, that I am convinced that it will add very greatly to my happiness. And thirdly, which perhaps I ought to have mentioned earlier, that it is the particular advice and recommendation of the very noble lady whom I have the honor of calling patroness. But the fact is that being as I am to inherit this estate after the death of your honored father, who, however, may live many years longer, I could not satisfy myself without resolving to choose a wife from among his daughters, that the loss to them might be as little as possible when the melancholy event takes place, which, however, as I have already said, may not be for several years. To fortune, I am perfectly indifferent. I shall make no demands of that nature on your father since I am well aware that it could not be complied with and that £1,000 and the 4%, which will not be yours till after your mother's decease, is all that you may ever be entitled to. On that head, therefore, I shall be uniformly silent and you may assure yourself that no ungenerous reproach shall ever pass my lips when we are married. 
Okay, so Mr. Collins, Elizabeth's cousin, has proposed to her. She said no. He said, I know what your ladies are like. And so I'll ask you again later. But, but no. Okay, so I know you want me to beg. And I guess that means you're even more beautiful than I. Okay, but no. Okay, so he finally gets that she don't want to marry her cousin <laughs> or him. <laughs> you know, maybe she's not into marrying cousins, but also she might not be into him. Mm-hmm. And so he's like a little disturbed. And he puts it to her that I'll ask your parents then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and her mom is a gold digger and is like, look, <laughs> this man is going to inherit all of our stuff when your dad dies. You going to marry him or I'll never talk to you again, which is that a threat? Um, and so she, wow, she loved her mom. <laughs> and she pulls Lizzie into the room where her dad hides from the rest of the family all day. <laughs> And he presents to her an ultimatum. Oh, Mr. Bennett, you are wanted immediately. We are all in an uproar. You must come and make Lizzie marry Mr. Collins, for she vows she will not have him. And if you do not make haste, he will change his mind and not have her. Mr. Bennett raised his eyes from his book as she entered and fixed them on her face with a calm unconcern which was not in the least altered by her communication. I have not the pleasure of understanding you, said he, when she had finished her speech. Of what are you talking? Of Mr. Collins and Lizzie. Lizzie declares she will not have Mr. Collins, and Mr. Collins begins to say that he will not have Lizzie. And what am I to do on this occasion? It seems a hopeless business. Speak to Lizzie about it yourself. Tell her that you insist upon her marrying him. Let her be called down. She shall hear my opinion. Mrs. Bennet rang the bell, and Miss Elizabeth was summoned to the library. Come here, my child, cried her father as she appeared. I have sent for you on an affair of importance. I understand that Mr. Collins has made you an offer of marriage. Is it true? Elizabeth replied that it was. Very well. And this offer of marriage you have refused? I have, sir. Very well. We now come to the point. Your mother insists upon your accepting it. Is it not so, Mrs. Bennet? Yes, or I will never see her again. An unhappy alternative is before you, Elizabeth. From this day, you must be a stranger to one of your parents. Your mother will never see you again if you do not marry Mr. Collins, and I will never see you again if you do. So, Lizzie then asked Charlotte to befriend Mr. Collins. Kind of keep him busy because, you know, they don't want be bothered with him no more. She ain't interested. Go over there and talk to Charlotte. Charlotte is older and not a very romantic woman. She's very practical. So she's not, yeah. yeah. So she's not, you know, she's older. And at that time, being close to 30, late 20s, you're pretty old to be trying to get married. Mm -hmm. You should have already been married. So they formed this friendship or no. Agreement, contract. They form a contract. So he proposes to Charlotte. She accepts. Everybody feels some type of way because Charlotte accepts. I mean, because now it's like, are you only trying to get our house? I don't like this. Um, Elizabeth was like, it'll never be the same between us. Never. Charlotte wants Jane to visit her, though, in the new home. So she agrees to do it because they are a little friends. So. The neighbors of Netherfield leave for London with no plans to return, leaving Jane broken hearted. Miss Bingley sends a letter to Jane saying, 
Bye. See you never. <laughs> Mr. Bingley is going to marry um, Darcy's sister, Georgina. Bye. <laughs> Elizabeth Blaine's Miss Bingley. Mrs. Bennett now has no daughters with marital prospects. So they were all supposed to be marrying rich men and all being rich. And now they all still at home broke. Yeah, that's <laughs> not working out. Yeah. So she is inconsolable. Yeah. Mm hmm. So because Jane is brokenhearted, her uncle, his name is Mr. Gardner. I and, love the Gardners, yeah. by the way. They're like the aunt and uncle you go see who are like cool. Yes. And like, with it yes. and like travel and they're like mm -hmm. reasonable people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're they're cool. Mr. Gardner invites her to come stay in London for a while. You know, kind of mourn here. It'll be more fun. Jane goes and hopes that she's going to see Mr. Bingley. Mm -hmm. Nah. Mr. Gardner warns Lizzie about falling for Wickham in the meantime, since he doesn't have any money. It's all about station in life and getting ahead. But that's practical. Like, don't fall in love with this penniless man. Okay. That's right. That's right. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Lizzie doesn't see Wickham's poor character because she thinks if he was really fortune hunting, he, he wouldn't, wouldn't be, be talking to me. me. <laughs> right. Because we don't have nothing to give him. Mm -hmm. Part two, living it up in London. <laughs> so while in London, Jane kind of finally sees the true colors of Miss Bingley. They fake, fake, fake. So fake. fake. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't see Mr. Bingley. Lizzie arrives in London not too long later and visits her sister. And while she's there, she's invited to join um, her uncle Gardner on a tour. I guess a tour of a the little country. Trip. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. When she returns from visiting Charlotte. So while she's visiting Charlotte, she goes out to go visit Charlotte and she meets Lady Catherine. This is the patroness of the cousin, Mr. Collins. Okay. Lady Catherine invites Lizzie to dinner. Lizzie <laughs> meets Lady Catherine's daughter, whom we understand that Mr. Darcy is expected to marry. The daughter is unappealing and <laughs> Lizzie is satisfied with that. <laughs> well, <laughs> she's like, good for him. <laughs> while Lizzie, while visiting. He deserves a ukaboo. Yes. <laughs> while visiting Charlotte, Lizzie is actually entertained by Mr. Darcy and Colonel Fitzwilliam. While Lizzie continues to dislike Dar Mr. Darcy, Darcy seems to be ever more drawn to Lizzie. Both Lizzie and Charlotte think Colonel Fitzwilliam is actually interested in Lizzie. One day on a walk with Colonel Fitzwilliam, he tells Lizzie of a time when Mr. Darcy saved a friend from an imprudent marriage. Lizzie realizes this story refers to Jane and she is heated. Mm -hmm. Do you hear me? She is heated. While Lizzie is stewing about what she learned about Mr. Darcy, he comes and guess what? And says, I love you, girl. Oh, hey. Um, oh, can I marry you? Or I, I, just, I love you or whatever. Yes. Like a lot, though. And I want to marry you. That's it. But he also said, even though you low class, I do want to marry you. I don't even you. care about the fact that you low class and your um, family is like detestable. I still want to marry you. So yay you. for you. <laughs> she was like appalled. <laughs> Of course, she refuses his proposal and said marriage to him, that would be unthinkable. Okay. Why? One, she just learned that he ruined her sister's happiness and he treats our favorite Mr. Wickham horribly. Fine, Mr. Wickham. Favorite and fine. Mm -hmm. That's it. The favorite's always fine. Mm -hmm. Also penniless, but fine. <laughs> they are penniless. <laughs> and he is penniless. <laughs> Mr. Darcy is disappointed and shocked, returns the next day. He was like, I need to explain this, but not verbally. He wrote her a letter. I'm sending you a four page letter. 
I think that's how it goes. <laughs> he gives her the letter and departs. In this letter, he admits, yeah, I did attempt to break them up. But I mean, it ain't really my fault. Your sister wasn't really into him and I was protecting my friend's interests. Don't. <laughs> Jane, we told you to display your affection just a little more, okay? That. Like, you know, smile at him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Plus, he didn't want his friend to be encumbered by marrying the Bennett family. Because y'all are terrible people. Low class. You, Your mom's uh, arrogant gold digger. Your sister stood up and sang that terrible little song terribly. And then your cousin, like all of y'all, except you, which I think speaks more of you. <laughs> and you know, Jane, your sister, she's nice too. So good for you guys. Yeah. He said, y'all lack wealth and propri- propriety. Too bad. He also explained that he did help Mr. Wickham. After his father's death, but Wickham tried to elope with his sister to get her fortune. So he's like the prodigal son. Um, Darcy's dad really loved Wickham. And when his dad died, he did give Wickham for his dad some money. Yes. Because Wickham was like, I want to be in the clergy. So can I have some money? And he gave him some money. And then he like spent it on debauchery. (laughs) And then he was like, oh, you know what? I want to be a lawyer. Can I have more money? And Darcy was like, so no. And so he goes, okay, well, I'm going to elope with your child sister who's like 15. Yep. And, um, you know, either blackmail you or some way get y'all money. Okay. Low down. Low down. Darcy's story of his relationship with Wickham made her recall some of the things that he said. And that happened. So she was starting to like, oh, wait together. a minute. So she's like, maybe I was wrong about Wickham. And she starts to look at Darcy differently. This it's the beginning of both of them being really humbled because they done made some mistakes in there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Lizzie tells Jane of this newfound information about Wickham and they agree not to share it since he's gone away already. Lydia, the baby sister, so she goes back home, okay? Lydia, the babysitter, sister, goes away to there's Brighton. there's this like troop of soldiers who are like hanging out near town and everyone's yeah. like, ooh, they all fine. <laughs> of which... One is Mr. Wickham. Mr. Wickham. And so um, Lydia's like, once it's time for the soldiers to leave, Lydia's like, oh no, but they were all so fine. And then suspiciously, she's like, hey, I've been invited to go to London with some responsible people. Can I go? Yep. And the Benetton are like, sure, whatever. One less girl in the house. We won't miss you. Bye. Essentially, that's too bad. But yeah, so the foresters take Lydia away to Brighton and they... Hanging out with the soldiers, right? I mean, what is it that they're doing? <laughs> she, what is she, 15, 16 yeah. at this point? Hanging out with soldiers. Hmm, who's babysitting? <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> Lizzie, in the meantime, goes back to the gardeners and takes this tour. She's like, okay, mm, we go into the beautiful estate of Pemberley, which is Mr. Darcy's house. Yes, you guessed it. Hearing that Darcy was not in town, she was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go. Why he's not in town? tour your house like it's a museum. Mm-hmm. During the tour, the housekeeper shows them portraits of Darcy and Wickham and relates how Darcy in his youth was the sweetest and most generous hearted boy. How he's never had a, me- she's never heard a mean word come from him while she describes Wickham as getting into some trouble. As Lizzie tours the estate, she thinks about what it would be like to be mistress of Pemberley. Suddenly, Darcy appears. Both of them are embarrassed, okay? (laughs) Lizzie explains 
She was told that he wasn't going to be here. You weren't going to be here. You weren't supposed to be here. So he's like, okay. Darcy, however, is very polite and tells Lizzie he can come to prepare. He came home early to prepare for the guests, including the Bingleys, his sister Georgina. And he tells Lizzie, oh, I want you to meet my little sister too. Okay. The next day, Darcy shows up with his sister to visit Elizabeth and Bingley shows up. Like, hey, Bingley, how you doing? What you doing back here? <laughs> All right, then. Georgina is pretty, but she's shy. Okay. Darcy. Georgina's the sister. Yeah, Georgina, the sister. Darcy's sister. Darcy's sister. So she meets um, Georgina. She likes her. Darcy and Bingley invite Elizabeth and her family to dinner. Mrs. Bingley is still hoping to get with, excuse me, Ms. Bingley is still hoping to get with Darcy um, by embarrassing herself. Well, excuse me, <laughs> Ms. Bingley is still hoping to get with Darcy, but she tries to make digs at Elizabeth. So she only ends up embarrassing herself. And eventually Darcy says, Elizabeth is one of the handsomest women of my acquaintance. After dinner, Elizabeth returns home to two letters from Jane and finds out that Lydia has run off with Mr. Wickham with no word that the couple has married. She rushes to tell the gardeners, but Darcy appears and she tells him. So Darcy now knows that his sister has run off. Same thing happened. Lizzie's sister has run off. Lizzie's sister has run off. Elizabeth returns home. Mr. Gardner ensures Lizzie that Wickham will marry Lydia because his military career is at stake. So now they're like, yeah, Wickham's penniless. Yeah, we, well, only Lizzie and Jane eventually know that Wickham's terrible. Yeah. But they have to get married. Otherwise, it will forever shame not just Lydia. What's her name? Lydia. Lydia, but all the girls. Because then the family will have like a black mark on it because you have a daughter who's out there living out of wedlock with a man. Yep. A mm-hmm. penniless man. A penniless man. And so the men in the family go out and they try to find Wickham and Lizzie. Mr. Bennett is like going from hotel to hotel. Mrs. Bennett, who does she blame? Mr. Forrester for not taking care of her daughter. Finally, the family receives a letter from Mr. Gardner telling them that Wickham and Lydia were found and they're going to marry if the Bennett's guarantee them the smallest sum of money. Like Mr. Bennett's kind of offended, but he's like, okay, you could marry her. I'd rather her have be married to a scoundrel, then have a ruined reputation. The Bennets assume that the gardeners have paid Wickham, but really, it turns out, Mr. Darcy paid Wickham. Oh, my goodness. And well, he got it. it. Mm-hmm. He did have extra. <laughs> Elizabeth now realizes that her opinion has changed so completely that if Darcy asked her again, she would have said. News arrives that Bingley is returning to Netherfield for a few weeks, and Mr. Bennett refuses to visit him. However, Bingley just come to the house. He like, hey, y'all, hey. Hey, I still like Jane, so I'm here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, you want me to come by tomorrow, too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Come on. Mrs. Mrs. Bennett lays it on pretty thick. You know, that's just how she is. But she's rude to Darcy. like, hey, me casse, too casse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Darcy came (laughs) back with Bingley. And so she's actually rude to Darcy, completely unaware of his involvement in saving Lydia's reputation. Bingley eventually proposes to Jay. Yeah! Yeah. After Bingley and Jane get engaged, guess who comes to town? Lady Catherine. She come for a visit. What's she coming for? We're like, this is so out of the blue. What she want? So who's Lady Catherine again? Lady Catherine (laughs) is Darcy's auntie. Right. She is also this this patron of the cousin 
who proposed to Lizzie once upon a time. Just yeah. to mark up that soup a little bit. It is. Confuse you. It is. But anyway, yes, Darcy's aunt. She's uppity. Lady Catherine tells Jay, hey, I heard a rumor that Darcy wanted to marry you. And I know that ain't right because he got to marry his cousin, which is my daughter. Because <laughs> that's what we do here. That's why our teeth look like this. She said, <laughs> <laughs> Lady Catherine insists that this is ridiculous. Given Elizabeth's low station in life and the engagement to uh, Darcy. Eh. That ain't gonna happen. Tell me, once and for all, are you engaged to him? Though Elizabeth would not, for the mere purpose of obliging Lady Catherine, have answered this question, she could not but say, after a moment's deliberation, I am not. Lady Catherine seemed pleased. And will you promise me never to enter into such an engagement? I will make no promise of the kind. Miss Bennet, I am shocked and astonished. I expected to find a more reasonable young woman. But do not deceive yourself into a belief that I will ever recede. I shall not go away till you have given me the assurance I require. And I certainly never shall give it. I am not to be intimidated into anything so wholly unreasonable. Your ladyship wants Mr. Darcy to marry your daughter. But would my giving you the wished for promise make their marriage at all more probable? Supposing him to be attached to me, would my refusing to accept his hand make him wish to bestow it on his cousin? Allow me to say, Lady Catherine, that the arguments with which you have supported this extraordinary application have been as frivolous as the application was ill-judged. You have widely mistaken my character if you think I can be worked on by such persuasions as these. How far your nephew might approve of your interference in his affairs, I cannot tell. But you have certainly no right to concern yourself in mine. So I love Lizzie here. She is reading Lady Catherine Red. from head to toe in the most classiest way. I don't know why. I don't know what possessed you to think you could get in that carriage and drive to my house and tell me what to tell do. But I don't do. know you and I don't want to know you. And you might as well go back from which you came. Get him. Thank you, Lizzie. Sure I love did. it. I wrote down notes like, oh, this is what I'll say next time someone <laughs> tries to check me. What was that phrase? <laughs> Widely. You are widely oh i don't know the next word we'll, we'll find it mm -hmm. you have widely mistaken me something like something that. like that like yep that. so elizabeth has always spoken negatively of darcy her father jane so when he comes to try to marry her this is like all a big surprise and she has to convince them no no i really will be happy it'll be great so one quick thing is Ka lady catherine goes back home talks to darcy and is like would you believe I heard you may marry this low class broad and then I told her it wasn't going to happen and she had the nerve to not give me a straight answer that she would never marry you. And so he like, come what now say again? <laughs> <laughs> I might still have a chance. Yeah. That's all he oh, hears. That's true. That's true. I, forgot I thought about that was that. beautiful. That was. That so was. Lady Catherine is trying to reiterate how low class this woman girl is to respond in such a way. And all, all Darcy hears is, Go get your girl. Go get your mom. Yes, That's your girl. Yes, yes, yes. This Ooh, one I was girl. really liking the book. I said, I read 500 pages <laughs> to get for these 20. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, well, since Elizabeth has always spoken of Darcy negatively, her father, Jane, and anybody else were all surprised at the idea that this <laughs> even was Jane. Happen. Yeah, right. even Jane. So she convinces them that it would be a great thing. I really do like him. I really, I really do. I love him. I love him a lot. Once she convinces him, Darcy comes back 
And he makes that proposal. And she said, I'll marry you. Well, she didn't say it like well, that. What he said was, hey, my feelings for you haven't changed. Have your feelings for me changed? And she said, my feelings for you have changed completely because I love you now. Oh, just like that. Oh, it was great. Let's take a break. Okay. What did you think of this book? I Final love word. Pride and Prejudice so much. And I would read it again. It is hard for me to get attached to characters when they're written in, I think, third person. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know what you're thinking. I'm I'm being told what you're doing and what you possibly think, but I'm not in your head. The words around these characters were so beautiful and cinematic that I was just in the setting with them. This is a world I know very little about. And I feel like I've been there. I felt like I got into a time capsule and went to hang out with Lizzie and Jane and we have fun and it was great. (laughs) And we all got booze. (laughs) And I I appreciate more books with happy endings. There are enough sad endings in life. Mm -hmm. I want happy, happy ones. So Mm -hmm. stay over there, Bronte sisters. (laughs) Me and Jane Austen sitting at this hey, table. Hey, Jane. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend Pride and Prejudice. Five stars all around. What about you? I loved it. Woo! I loved it from page one. <laughs> that opening sentence, I started giggling from page one all the way to the end. And tell you what, when Mr. Collins came in. Ooh, He's hilarious. He is hilarious. I, I accident him on the screen because he is the most pompous but I love him I love his character I liked reading it I absolutely enjoyed reading it I tried to recall how the story went and I couldn't remember so Mm -hmm. I was safe Um, I just enjoyed every bit of it the only thing Mm -hmm. okay let me just say this these words is too big I'm not smart enough (laughs) they're archaic they're Uh, old words so okay we'll say they're archaic but it's a lot of words. Yeah. So in some of my readings, I really fumbled over the words. Mm-hmm. And I was that was hard for me. But I would still recommend the book. I enjoyed it immensely. And I might even read it again. Oh, but I, I don't know when you're going to find a time because next week? you have a podcast about books where you read a new <laughs> book every week. <laughs> so, well, thank you, readers. That was uh, episode five of Lit Society. Five? Really? Let's not keep count. Okay, let's not. Um, Thank you for reading. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Honoria and Kari Herrera. Please listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcast providers. If you love what you just heard, please, please, please leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We are not too proud to beg. That would really help us out. It's it really free. Would. Do it, it really now. Would. Five stars. We Apple Podcasts. Do it. We got goals. Do it. Do it. We got goals. Next week, we are reading Ooh, Catch and Kill. Catch and Kill. By Pharaoh. Kind of excited about that book. So I am very excited. Mm-hmm. It's a little thick, so I better start reading it now. I think I'm going to audio that one. <laughs> oh, smart. Oh, audiobooks. Very good. Um, Yeah, so we'll see you guys next week. And until then, read something.